Welcome to The Dangling Conversation. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Justin Gadsden. Justin, tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, where are you, where are you from? What are you doing here at Lee? How'd you get here? So, um, yeah, um, I grew up in uh, Maryland. I'm not, not, you know, I'm pretty far from most students who are here at Lee, but uh, I'm from Maryland, a town called Chevrolet, like five, ten minutes outside D.C., um, grew up in a big family, uh, seven siblings. So there's eight of us together. So there's four boys and four girls. <laughs> my, my dad prayed for and specifically wanted four boys and four girls. And if you look at the whole family, all the boys look like my dad and all the girls look like my mom. Like oh. it's just split evenly. So where are you in the lineup? Are you the youngest? Uh, I'm the fifth. So it goes, uh, Jonathan, Joseph, Jaden, Janelle, me, and then Janita, Joy, and Jaira. We're all named Jays for Jesus. My dad. Really? Yeah. My dad was like, he's one of the greatest guys I've, I, I, I've, I got, to, I mean, he's my dad, but I, I got to know and it's sick to see and see him grow. But like, he's, you know, very pious, very strong in his faith, very um, amazing man. And it's, it's interesting because like when you grow up and you see your parents as like adults and not like, that's my dad. Like you see him as like, oh, he's, he's an adult now. Like. It's a weird thing. It's like, it's like what a do you weird mean shift. Now? Like it's a shift. Like as a kid, you like he's my dad, and like you know he's. This is like this this dichotomy of like I'm younger and he knows all these things, and you see your dad as you're older. Like wait, oh, like know viewing your dad through the lens. Yeah, as of adult and as, as you're a kid. an adult. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, and it's different, and it's it's just interesting to connect with him now, um, and hear like some of his stories and some of his life, and like know that you know he isn't this you know great person that we think of as a kid like he's made a lot of mistakes he's done a lot of things wrong and like he's and he's grown but he's also growing in his faith and growing in who he is and stuff but yeah i um grew up there for the most part of my life i moved to townsend a little bit to baltimore i went to a school called arlington baptist school christian school all my life my dad was a principal at my elementary school he taught in all my in all my you know school uh school experience so basically i had my family at my school at the time so i could barely get in trouble it was. I, I, Do you I ever was, whoop you while you were at school? <laughs> so back in the day when you could spank your kids, you, <laughs> I'm not that old. They stopped. I mean, doing early two thousands, you could, and then they like really? stopped it. Yeah, and like my dad was a principal, so he like he could do it anyways. Like I would, <laughs> I, it was bad, bro. I would get in trouble at least once a week. I was just an angry, mad kid, bro. I don't know. Just, <laughs> I was just gooning, bro. Like when, I mean, one time, you're like that preschooler with black air forces. <laughs> <laughs> With the black hair for some sketches, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> light the, up. <laughs> You're curb stomping kids and the taking lights the animal crackers up. away, bro. <laughs> Give me that. <laughs> okay, but you were getting in trouble. You were angry. You were an angry. I, kid? I mean, as a kid, I struggled with anger. So before I got, I got saved when I was seven. It's so like second grade. So I was just like angry because you know, being a fifth kind of part of the family. My at that time, my mom was having my sister, and um. So she all the attention was getting to her and all the girls. We had like we had a, a renter who lived sitting in our basement. He's one of the teachers at our elementary school, and all the girls were hanging out with them. My brothers used to bully me, so I didn't have anyone to hang with. And I was just like, you know, all this built up ang- all this pent up anger. Like I remember one time the sitter uh, we had in the basement that was renting our place out, um, having our sisters over, and I wanted to join. And my mom said no, and she said no. And I was so mad, and like I punched her, my mom in the stomach. You punched your mom? But like I'm like seven, so wait, dude, was she pregnant? Dude, yeah, she was pregnant with my little. Yo, <laughs> Justin. But I didn't do anything because like it was just like, eh. and like I went upstairs and I was like angry. 
But like she understood. My mom was just like laughing. Like he's okay. He's just he's just he's just upset. It didn't do anything. You punched your mom and she laughed at you. Yeah, my That's... I was a crazy child when I was a kid. Like the Justin you see now is like you probably wouldn't be friends with me if I was in high school. Because I want not only was I said it's like crazy, but I was just like like I was like Paul on steroids. I was extra pious, extra judgmental. Like why are you doing this? Like why are you? Well, what do you mean by that? Well, like so like in middle school, like I grew up in Christian school, but like. Once I hit middle school and high school, I went. You know how how school Christians are. Does not everyone's you know they're gonna follow God. I had this like culture shock of like, it's frustrating. Yeah, it's more of, more of just like, you know, people act like people. At the time, it was like yeah. you know I grew up in a family like you know you don't curse, you don't do all these different things, and people started cursing at a teacher, getting mad, not obeying. Like guys, what are you doing? You guys love Jesus, why? Right? Like why are you doing this? And like <laughs> I'm like I'm yeah, like, literally it's just like being culture shock. And so I get mad or I would like be frustrated or I try to like you know witness to them. And then they would get annoyed with me. And then in high school, it was all about, like, you know, trying to be a good example and, like, force others, like, to be like Christ. And it's just, it was a weird thing because, like, the biggest thing that God has taught me, especially as a Christian growing over the years, there's this one guy. Uh, his name was Mr. Whitehead. So a black, one of the black teachers at our school, um, he taught kindergarten. He told me that um, you need to love people where they're at and not everybody, you know, is in the same journey as Christ as you are. That, you know, that... We're all in different parts, and you're not as good as everybody else. Like, because I was like, you know, I came from a strong, strong Christian family. I, I know all these different verses. I know all these things, like, yeah. recite the Bible and stuff. But, like, I have my faults, too. And, like, a lot of my sins, a lot of my struggles, a lot of things, even things I deal with now, started to come to light. And I had to learn to love people where they're at and love people as God loves them yeah. and not, you know, judge them. And so that was just a whole journey of middle school, high school. But it was, like, a culture shock for me because I'm, like, I grew up in church and I grew up in, like, in the Christian schools of people you know, are wanting to be obedient, wanting to be good. And that was just my, that was just my environment. Right. So right, that right. I changed, it kind of shifted. But like, it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating yeah. to see like, why aren't you pursuing God? Yeah. Why aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But, um, back to the, uh, uh, back to, <laughs> I had this story I wanted to say. So like when I was younger, like, so in second grade, I got in trouble. Um, what did I do? I did something really bad. So like I'm second, the sec, so the elementary is on the top floor. There's, there's like two or three levels of the school. So on the second level is like elementary classes and stuff. So I'm on in second. This is in second grade, and I think I got mad or I got or I yelled or did something. I got in trouble. And I got in, and they sent you outside to sit down. Yeah, yeah. So like you can like calm down. And, and I wasn't. I was just like making noises, there being raging. loud, raging. Yeah. And they called the principal, and the and the and principal's office dad? is downstairs, like around the corner. So yeah. he has to get up from his work. And he was like doing something busy. It was and your he, dad. Yeah, my yeah, dad. Yeah, it was yeah. my dad. Yeah, yeah. And he came up, <laughs> came up the steps, and I, I'm in the classroom at this time. He comes to the door. You know, that whole give me the the dad stare. Yeah. Comes says <laughs> come here. He takes me across the bathroom. So you know those bathrooms. I was like, you just walk in. Like yeah. they're like, uh, and this is like a porcelain like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an old building. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's not like you know, there's no sound anything is absorbed. So he takes me to the bathroom, proceeds to pull down my pants. He takes his belt. And, and just, just goes to town. Go, <laughs> just <laughs> goes to town. And you can hear my screams all down the hall. Just like, <laughs> just like, just absolute terror. How old were you at this point? I think I was eight. Yeah. that's yeah. That sounds about right. And then he, t- he takes me back to the classroom and says he apologized to the whole entire class. Then he tells me that if I act up, act up again, he's going to spank me in front of the class. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> and I, I don't think after that I had like a huge pop. I think like, I kind of settled down at that. But like like I said, I got saved like when I was eight or seven. So like after second grade, I kind of like toned down. 
Cause like yeah, how did like how did you get saved? Just like through your parents' example and so yeah, Mike. So my dad was a music leader at my church, um, Capital Capital Baptist Church. It was called. It was in Lothian, Maryland. Um, he he, long, he uh, led worship there. My mom was a secretary there, so I would go there every Sunday, Wednesday. You know, like a good old Christian kids. I have a one on Fridays, so I was exposed to it constantly. But I didn't really, you know, it was like seven or eight. I really realized I actually want to change. I want to be better. And my mom was, I was actually, it was like a Saturday, I think. I was hanging out with my mom and she was telling me about it. She was, you know, telling me the whole story about Jesus and like, well, how do you get saved? And um, I was sitting on her lap and she told me if you want to pray with me. I said, no, I want to do it myself. And I don't know why I did this, but I remember this to this day. So I went up to my mom's room and on the left side of the bed. So the, the bed is like, you go into the room, like there's a bed and there's like, you know, two tables. On the left side, I knelt down and I prayed to, to Christ receive Christ into my heart and you know to become his and on the right side i prayed that god can use me however way to be you know be a good example for him and success to use me i don't know why i did that but i accepted christ that day and i did said that prayer and like yeah it's through their example through me wanting to change me better and it was interesting because i look at my whole family dynamic and there's a lot that goes on there like there's a lot of a lot of struggle a lot of trauma as i soon to realize in college a lot of you know Things that we went to. I love my family to death, and I, and I know that they love me. But there was a lot of a lot of hard stuff going on there. You know, passing down generation from when it comes to trauma and pain and stuff, especially from parents who don't know how to talk about it and deal with it and deal with it, and then in that generation to talk about it, you just keep passing things down. And so, I've learned with my family dynamic that for me, I kind of took it to heart at a really young age. Yeah. Like my older sister, she rebelled against it a lot. She's good now, but she rebelled against it a lot because she was being the first girl. Right especially for a really, you know, strong Christian dad, like... It can my, be a lot. Yeah, they fought a lot. They... It was hard. Like, I'm not, like no joke, there was a lot of... I went through a lot of abuse in our house. Um, and my mom took a lot of brunt of it, too. My dad... My dad was a passionate man, but he also was an angry man. Um, not as much as he used to be now, but because... Because he loved God so much, he didn't want us to fall and make mistakes like people in his family did. Because my, my dad grew up on welfare in Rhode Island, Providence, Rhode Island. It's like the poorest town, poorest city in Rhode Island uh, with eight siblings. So he was like, I think he was yeah. a fifth out of eight and only my grandma. So he was just so like, no, no, the father was not, there was no dad in the house. Yeah. Just basically, uh, our grandma was his baby mama. It's just having kids and not in the house. And I think he died before my dad was born. Mm. It was just my, it was just, you know, my grandma and, and then all seven kids on welfare living in an apartment. And so, um, Imagine that. And then right. the trauma with all that. Um, he struggled in, in school. He struggled. Um, he had a you know speech impediment. He also had um, a form of uh, Tourette's and tick. So for me, I have uh, a certain tick, a Tourette's. I had, it started when I was like 10, 11. Mm. I think it kind of started with my anxiety when I uh, got a bullied a lot at school. And it more so more so I was like younger. I was just, I would hit myself. I would like tense up really, really tightly or like, It'll come in breaths and coughs and things like that. Um, it was a tick. And I think because of my anxiety or OCD, it happened. And over the time, I've kind of mitigated. It's not something I need, like, medicine for. But it's, like, something i got to keep watch for. But yeah. my dad had that, which I didn't yeah. know. He told me that a while ago. And he told me how things had to deal with it. But he had so many struggles through his life. And he overcame a lot of them. Like, his story is amazing. Like, he started out with, like, a 1.2 GPA in first year. And he, like, was going to flunk out of college. And um, the dean gave him another chance. And he passed, I mean, he passed and he, you know, he has his doctorate now in teaching. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He has a doctorate in teaching. He's been teaching for over like 30 something years. 
Um, he's created a Hope Center in D.C. Like he's worked with like he's like lived like so many different lives before I was born. Yeah, and he's done so many amazing things. And you just hear his story. It's just a lot of overcoming and trusting God and like God leading him and guiding him. And so when I see that and I see like there's so much good things he's done here, but like all this trauma, all this you know, anger, all like this, the perpetuation, all this yeah, all this stuff building up. And then he has a family, and then like the stuff that goes and transfers into like there's a lot of things my mom and dad went through they don't talk about. Yeah, like there were two. My mom had two stillborns before my oldest brother Jonathan was born, and she oh, doesn't man. really talk about it. Yeah, it's 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 so weird because she's like the sweetest person, and like it's just they don't they don't ever show their emotions, and so my first four brothers they're not really emotional. Like the closest thing we talk about is the sports, and like besides that, there's not much connection. Yeah, and you're a theater kid. Yeah, too it's much a, emotion. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was weird. That's what I'm saying. When yeah, I was yeah. born, they didn't know what to do with me because like they didn't yeah. think. Well, they didn't think that. My mom and dad were gonna have another child. It was yeah. just the first three boys, and then Janelle, and then I came in two thousand, and they're like, "Who is this? Like, what is he doing here?" Yeah. And then my older brothers was like, "I will, you know, I love video games as a kid. It was it kind of started from them, and they was just telling me it was like a little nuisance, but like, you know, they'll watch over us. And so we had some fun times too, of course. But like, it was just a hard dichotomy because my brother's like ten by the time I'm born, so he's right. already in high school by the time I'm like old enough to actually talk and hang out with him. And then my other brothers hang out with each other. My sister. Me and my little sister Janita, we bonded a lot when we were younger. And then as we aged, they she grew with her sisters, and mm-hmm. so with the young, my younger sisters. So it was a lot of like, I was kind of like the odd one out in the family. Right. I didn't have one I can like you know cling to because they all had their own, I guess, pocket in the family. Yeah. And so it was just interesting to see um, myself because I was different. I had more emotion. I was more emotional. I was more get minded if you you know do the enneagram thing i was a type two kind of person yeah. um now i real um my uh myers briggs is enfj and like a is like the like antagonist i think it's called yeah but sometimes i'm like if like i'm even enfg and enfp but it mostly is j so like i've learned about myself and like how i was like more emotional and understanding and circumspective and you know deep thinking than my brothers were and so I could never talk to them about girls. I could never talk to them about, you know, what to do here. I never t- give ask for advice. They just, because they didn't, they didn't get that from my dad. Like, they didn't know how to be, be yeah. more. They didn't know how to be connecting that way. So, it was just video games and sports. And so, that's how we connected. Now, it's a little bit better. My brother's reaching out and, because they learn and they've grown. But, like, it was a lot of, a lot of alienation in my house. And coupled with that with school. So, a lot of trauma and different all stories. But God worked through a lot of that. So, that, that's, uh, I love my family. My all my my brothers. It's interesting. Like so, my oldest brother Jonathan. He's in the military. He's in the army. Yeah. Um, Is that the super jack? Yeah, that's one? the <laughs> yeah. He's that's the extra yoke, bro. That's oh why I want him. That's, that's cool. He's got that DBZ build, you know. <laughs> he got Broly build, bro. Yeah, bro. He's uh, yeah. He uh, 2008 he joined. He was on the front lines during Afghanistan when when that when the war happened. He was a he was a truck driver, so he drove like supplies to the front and oh stuff. Oh my gosh. So like he was there for a while. Now he's uh, he's stationed in North Carolina now. We did this thing when we were kids. My dad also was involved called CEF. I don't know if you heard of that. It's called Child Evangelism Fellowship. Um, it's a ministry to like, you know, the children. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like throughout the school year, they have clubs, like an hour day clubs where they go and you go into after, because after 2001, uh, United States made it, made it, made it allowable for like clubs to be happening and religion clubs to be, to be done. Yeah. So at the schools or public schools, you go into a club, you have an hour club, you're like, you know, kind of like I want to, like you have a, a game time, a snack time and they have a right. message and then like, song time and stuff like that and it's funny because like 
they made me made me out to be like some type of prodigy because like you can only can be 14 when, when you start out but i was like 12 because i had this aptitude for for learning and um i knew my you know god's word very well and i kind of had a, like a strong sense of god's word because my dad uh they let me start when i was young and so i did that during the school year and through the summer you have summer camps so you go into parks or apartments churches wherever kids are at and day clubs and like do clubs with them for the summer so i did that for three years and that um my brother Jaden led that i did that with him yeah so that really kind of sparked my desire for youth ministry i mean i was i did youth ministry when we were younger 2008 my family um we went uh we're missionaries across the united states so like we my dad's being the principal of the school after 9-11 schools were allowed to like were supposed supposed to uh you know create something for emergency preparedness so it's provided for like you know kids for emergencies and stuff so my dad had this games he created called ep games called emergency preparedness games mm-hmm. so basically this is games that teach children like you know how to pack up a bag when you're about to you know leave how to what foods to eat um and he had like different cool names for each ones but my he had that on the shelf and he did that but then god you know spoke to him and said i want you to bring this across you know and you know preach this and bring this across the united states and so 2008 we left um and that school year, we started and we traveled across the night. So we started up in the north, like northeast, and we kind of came down, and we just traveled. And he, um, we preached the gospel using these games. And then at the, after the games, we would have like a, a message saying like, you know, some kids don't get out of emergency. Some people don't make it out. Mm-hmm. So that's why we got to have an eternal preparedness plan. You got to know who Christ is. And that's how we would preach them. We saw at least 73 souls saved. Oh, man. Um, a lot of went to a lot of churches, a lot of, a lot of rededications, a lot of people um, – giving their life back to Christ. We went in schools, parks, everything. It was amazing. We also were traveling too. So like, we, were, I, we got to saw, you know, the Grand Canyon, got to saw, I think we got to see Yellowstone. The North, <laughs> we snuck into um, the, uh, Mount Rushmore in the morning, like before it was open. Oh, wow. <laughs> we got to see see that. We, uh, it was, it's so beautiful, like all parts of America. That whole experience, in 2009, the summer, we, we finished the Southern States because we had to leave and go back home because it was like um, house problems and stuff. But, like, that whole experience really shaped, like, my desire for ministry. Um, yeah. God did call me to youth ministry, not as a pastor, but more in a different different venue. Um, <clears throat> it was actually during the spring, COVID spring, um, my past, my desire is to act. Um, that is my major. That's what I'm at, at Lee. I want to become an actor. Um, but using those influence, using that money, using that, you know, connections to build a center, kind of like a group home that, like, teaches, educates, um, uh, uses um, theater as therapy because there's so much uh, psychotherapy and theater and, like, how, like, there's a lot of studies in that. But I want to use that for sex trafficking, like, foster kids. So, like, yeah. having a place that they only can stay, but they can, you know, grow the skills. They can take back what was taken from them and have dreams because they have passions, they have dreams, they have, you know, likes and stuff. And so, like, building that into them and when they, you know, when they grow up and they're like, you know, 18, they can leave with something and go into the world and like, you know, you know, give something and, and make something of themselves. But also, but also, you know, hopefully be healed and hopefully regenerate in who they are. Yeah. And so that's the kind of desire and that's the plan. That's the vision that I want to do as well as I'm acting or directing or pro- and like producing stuff. So like using that tenfold because like just look at this world. It's just it's. I could go on a on a on a on a rant. It's like how we have failed America as Christians, and how Christianity in America and how Christianity has just totally destroyed what Jesus intended for the church to be, for the tr- church to do, for the church to reach out to people. And there's just so much 
God has given us so much. Like there's so much, like all the materials, all the resources, all things that we have. We shouldn't be struggling to be uh, a strong influential force in America. But, you know, distractions, temptations, sin, um, just everything that goes on in America just keeps us from being as effective as we should be. Because think about it. If there was 12 disciples and then you had Paul at the Acts, a small church, and they spread it, and they did, and they did so much damage and did so much so much good. And it was just 12 of them in the starting church. And look at us now. Look at what we have now. Like, we shouldn't be, it shouldn't, you know, just at least in America, it shouldn't be as, because I know the church in other countries is like, you know, it's thriving and God is moving. And, you know, and whether that's due to persecution or that's just due to like just intense focus of, of determination and heart and um, dedication to the spirit and to God's moving and just different Christians' lives. And like, you know, one spirit, one body, one mind. I think the church being divided in America is a huge issue. So why we're not as strong as we should be? Sis. Well, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know if I agree with that because if you think about like, the 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 church has never really been united like th- there's there's never been this point in which it's just like like uh i I'm, I'm taking this doctrine of the church class right now and when people say oh guys we need to be we need to be like the early church <laughs> it's just like shut up like, <laughs> like shut up like do you not like we we were going through this this uh this right this article where basically it talks about when people say that they don't know what they're saying because they don't know what the early church is. And it basically mm-hmm. goes through each of the different early churches that the apostles started, each of their different emphases. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was just like, like a lot of it was eschatological where, where some of them like had similar themes, right? We all have like Christ at the center, but some of them were like super charismatic. And then other oh. ones were very like, that's not important. Some of them were very structured, and then some of them had, it was it was all Presbyterian in the sense of like run mm-hmm. by the congregation. So when people say like, "Oh, we just need to get back to the early church," it's like, actually, you don't know what you're talking about because you don't know what that looks like. Yeah, that's what's frustrating to me because it's like, I I, I don't want to say the church has never been united, but if you like, I was talking about this with my friends at lunch because we were talking about Constantine. And how Constantine, oh, yeah. in 381, with the Edict of Milan, yeah, Milan, you made Christianity illegal. made Christianity yeah. legal. And my friend Jason, his his uncle got his doctorate in theology and all this stuff, and he was just like, "Yeah, I hate Constantine," but because the reason why he it, he did it for le- for for political reasons, yeah, rather than Christian reasons, yeah. And then past that, it drove a further division between the latin west and the greek east yeah and then so so if you in 381 380 years approximately after christ like like there's division yeah and then there's division between the east and the west like there the official schism is about like like 10 yeah with the, the, the church and like yeah so so it, it goes into like like i i don't know what to say if america has failed like I, I think there's always been shortcomings, but one of the things that I've been thinking about has been what overcorrection happens in the theological world, where if you look at the Reformation, where Martin Luther is like, hey, the Catholic Church, you're doing this, this, and this badly. And I, like, you know, even the most reverent of Catholics would agree, like, yeah, the church was messing up at that point, he, but he took it too far, and they would, like, disagree with what, like, some of his points. You can't, you can't say 
it, it, it's not this, um, you can't just say, oh, this points are wrong, and they're mm -hmm. like, so what? And then people ask, so what's right? And then you can't be like, oh, I don't know. I just <laughs> know that that's wrong. So you have to give them something. Yeah. So what comes with that something is an overcorrection. And mm. it becomes this thing of not necessarily like how do you find the middle, but like to say declaratively like this is what is 100% right is I think one, bold and intellectually dishonest. Um, I think it's okay to have like theological preferences, mm -hmm. but I think in terms of praxis, now there is much more unity than there has been previously. Because if you look mm. at Vatican II, in which like the Catholic Church basically went from saying, hey, if you're not Catholic, screw you, you're not a Christian, to saying like, hey, we still think that we are the true body, mm -hmm. but also we recognize you as our brothers and sisters, yeah. even if there are different points. Like that was that was huge, and oh, that yeah. was in oh, from yeah. 1961 to like 1964. So like yeah. that that's pretty recent history. And then what's continued with that has been a continued conversation between all sorts of different denominations. Like post World War II, there's this rise of denominations trying to be in agreement of like, or at the very least saying. How do we coexist with one another? Hmm. So I, I think to say like we're we've never been more divisive isn't true. I, I don't I just don't think that's true. So you think opposite then? I, I do because and, and I think I think part of what's the problem is like being in the South is an entirely different perspective than because like you're from Maryland, you live right outside of DC. Like yeah. like it's so different. Like in Ohio it's it's you know it's a swing state i like you know there's tons of liberal people there's tons of conservative people i grew up in the christian homeschool bubble like yeah. i did but i also knew hey democrats are a real thing and they're my neighbors how do i be in relationship with them yeah it wasn't as it wasn't as like forced and pointed in the north uh, or like where I, when i grew up right like it was like i was like you know or be conservative republican like you go up like that mindset but like it wasn't like you know I mean, the political energy has definitely heightened and increased. Yeah. Oh, you know, over the past f five to six years, since when we when we were kids growing up. Yeah. But I mean, like, I guess because I, I I agree, I respect what you said because like it's hard sometimes. Sometimes as Christians, you get disgruntled and you're like, why can't we like be as you know as Christ calls us to be? And you get so mad and like, but you gotta realize that you know. And I wish I I wish I could tell all the classes that you've taken because yeah. I loved. I love, you know, the teachers they have here at, at, at least. It's mm -hmm. great and powerful and different minds and different, you know, majors and different, you know, things that they talk about. But, I mean, I, I had to drop my youth ministry minor so I could graduate. But I really right. wish I could take all those different classes because there's so much history. There's so much, like, good and bad and, like, you know, new things that the church did and church done. And, you know, sometimes it gets you get jaded. Sometimes you focus so much, like, what the church didn't do. But, like, some yeah. of the things the church has done and has been and i think that is a good point that we've always been we've never been like you know fully perfectly united because peter and paul peter had said yeah they circumcision that <laughs> you need you don't be circumcised. and paul and like yeah but like and like paul says live try your best to live at peace with everyone and you know and to you know there's nothing wrong faith. with with parting peacefully yeah and i th I think that's kind of like like, like uh paul and barnabas <laughs> paul and whatever, yeah where, exactly where, like they just came to this disagreement and they're like look I think we should split up because it is obvious we don't agree. 
and it's obvious that we're not going to like like neither of us is necessarily wrong so um, then what's the goal in unity do you mean not thinking the same but like thinking I, differently I, I but still think, being used to to do to do the two gods work together well, i think if you're not if you're not trying to reach the people around you if you're not trying to like something i've been really convicted of lately i'm not gonna lie is being kind to strangers like like not being kind of strangers. no being kind to of strangers because like why are you because i can have this attitude of like like i'm not gonna lie like just walking around i've been trying to smile more <laughs> no like like i'm being dead serious yeah. because like if I'm walking around campus, I usually don't feel like, like, oh, hey, guys. Like, I don't feel like that. If I know mm. you, I'll say hi. Like, if we make eye contact, it's whatever. Yeah. And if anybody were to say you hi to me, I'd return me, that. I always smile when I – are you yeah. kidding me? I know. I say, I say <laughs> you do. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but it's been something about, like, okay, I've been, to I've been told I look angsty whenever I walk. Mm. I've been told that. And so it's just like, oh, just in my body language, just in the way that I carry myself, hmm. if I appear to be angry, even if I'm like, I'm just listening to music and contemplating or like laughing, like I, I, I could be doing whatever. But if that's something that hurts my witness and mm. my approachability, yeah, that's something that I don't want. So, does it hurt me to smile more? No, like, like the if it it will only create more opportunities. I don't have to have this aloof standoffish attitude and so like that's what i mean by like there's not necessarily this huge oh well like uh in in, in mark 3 7 like i don't have this bible verse for it but all i know if, if that is a small thing that can practically get my foot in the door at some point in my life to talk with people that is worth it there is a verse on that I'm sure there is, but like, remember. I'm not saying like, that's my reasoning yeah, behind yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, I know, yeah. This is me trying to like, like that is how I see living this out. So that's what I, that's what I mean by like, this is as a church, what we try to accomplish. So if your church like isn't involved in the body and in your, in your present community where you're at, like for sure, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say like, you should feel bad about that, but like the church exists for a reason isn't a christian country car it's it's not a christian country exactly it's it's exactly it's your if you're not in the community if you're not in the streets bro <laughs> preaching the word then, <laughs> then what you doing yeah. yeah like that's that's your whole like jesus was was out with the people he was shaking hands he was in the bars in the in yeah. the trees like he was talking to people like bros like kids get down let's have let's talk bro like yeah that was jesus like, it's not this judgment thing. It's not. It's not yeah. this judgment thing. That's and that's and that's. I guess what my mind goes because you see, like you know, people screaming on television. You know, you're gonna go hell on the streets, and people having all these political things and all this, all this dissension. Right. And Jesus' focus was never that. He said, you know, when to give it to Caesar, which is Caesar's, give it to God, which is God. He said, you know, pray for you, pray for your um leaders. leaders yeah. But like, we got a mission to do. We have this job to do, and it's down here. And I'm not. I'm not talking about like oh social justice, Jesus. I'm not. I'm not talking. Like, I'm not like. There's a there's a there's a focus. Yeah. There's a middle focus of like yes. It's not like you know only focus on that. There's a balance of definitely both of like you know yes we want our leaders to be a country to be wise and well, but how that starts it starts with the people. It starts with relationships. You can't yeah. change. You can't change a village if you don't change one person. You know. Yeah. You can't. You have to reach the people that you're at and be the light you can be. Simple conversation, talking to people, living life with them. Like, yeah. I love the story. Like I always say all the time, I love the story of the woman at the well. 
Mm. Like, and and then like, Jesus always, whenever he met people, he always not not just put them at ease, but he just asked them questions and talked to them. Have a drink of water, you know. Out of pocket. How many people have you slept with? (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to say that's putting people at ease. I mean, not before he gets to like the conviction part. Yeah, he gets to like you know. He teases. He he gets he gets some thinking. He gets some he gets some in a mood where they you want to have a conversation. People want to have conversations. People mm. want to be deep, but no one wants is willing to do it. Like I'm a kind of guy. Like I don't, I don't ask like how's the weather. You know I I'm like bro, what are your traumas, yeah. man? Like what do you what do you go through? <laughs> like like I, <laughs> I ask. I'm mean, I'm saying I I'm I'm weird in a lot of different ways, but I I've learned that people want you to reach into their heart and to and to hold it. Yeah, and to and to comfort them, but you you gotta get past all the flesh and all the skin and bone. You gotta, you gotta get all the awkwardness. Yeah. it's gonna be awkward. Living life with people is awkward. Well, do you think? Because uh, kind of what you talked about with your parents, you know, previous generations have kind of had that thing of like you know bury everything deep down and mm-hmm. you know don't talk about it and whatnot. Do you think? our generation has overcorrected in that sense where like it's too too often have i like sat down with someone or like just met someone and then they're just like i don't want to say trauma dumping but being like way too vulnerable way too fast in a yeah. way that like oh yeah I'm for like, sure i'm not comfortable Most definitely this. there's boundaries the yeah. bible talks a lot about boundaries like yeah you like i said i'm i'm not an extreme guy i'm i'm in the mid balance as everything should be <laughs> that's, 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 that's cap that's cap you're <laughs> No, like in most of my thinking or in most of like how I act, okay, I'm like, you know, there's a middle ground here. Based to Justin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, yeah. That's why how my brain's like, like yeah. I, I learned in set design, like little tidbit, like my teacher told me that like, we were doing like a, because it's like, you know, 3D, like models and designing things for yeah, sets. Yeah, yeah. How my brain is, I can't shut off one and on one and the other. Yeah. Like it's I, both are on. I have the ability, like one out of four people can think like this. She said, like you can shut one off and turn one on, or can shut both off or shut, you know, both on. You can see things like in the full picture, mm-hmm. but also see it in different ways. And so, like when I'm in arguing with someone, I can understand why you're coming from that stance. I might not agree with you, but I understand where you're coming from, right. and I can reason with you and, and see that. But also, I see from my side, and so I want to come to a middle in a lot of different places. So, like when it comes to like um, this situation, yeah, you can't, you can't just like you know meet someone and say, hey, here's my life story, here's everything I've gone through, like this. You know, of course, connection, relationship, and getting to know that person, how deep you know that person, what what can you share? We were talking about this, um, a crew, uh, evangelism, it's a leader, it's a club on campus. Yeah. Um, when a leadership meeting, we talk about, like, you know, sharing our testimony, how, like, that's just so, so kind of feel outdated in the Christianese, but, like, sharing our story. Like, one of the, um, Mitchell, he said certain things, like, do you, you have to understand what parts you story to share with your audience and knowing who, what to say to them and what can speak to them? Because, like, some people just say, you know, they share the whole story, like, you know, I was in drugs and I and I was, you know, in the you know deepest, dirtiest parts of, parts of anything. And God saved me. And like, you know, and that's good. But like, you know, what part of your testimony can, you know, fits best or like speaks most to the, to the, to the you know, environment, the crowd, the people that you're in right now and how God can use it. Because God, your test, your story, it's constantly being written. It's constantly being used. Yeah. It doesn't just like, I was a sinner. I got saved. Everything's good now. No, like. Ever since you, ever since you were born, you interacted with God. Every person on this earth has a has a relationship and interaction with God, whether they're Christians or not. They mm-hmm. interact with the God of the universe, and God is interacting with them. You know, come to me. I have your, I have your, your rest. I have your 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 needs. I have your, I have love for you. Like, that's God's interaction with humans from day one till now. 
So the ones who connect with them in New York City, then that's that next part of that journey starts. But we all interact with God on a daily basis. And so, like, if that's the case, then we have a we constantly have a continually building story. But different parts of the story speak to different parts of people. And so I think, yes, our generation has overcorrected. And, like, some, and even a part of this, and this is where Satan can get in, we want to, he said this too, it was so good. We want to be seen so much. Yeah, that we will, it's like a cry for that. It's like a cry to be cry to be seen. Yeah, and instead of God getting the glory, the way he go, we get the glory because like, oh, just love me, love me, look at me, and all the stuff I've gone through. Like, it's but a, like, what it, what it, whenever, whenever you give that to someone, whenever someone's just like, you know, like, uh, extreme example, like I just tried to commit suicide. Yeah, and then you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. How do I help you with that? Like, is that person any better? Because of your empathy, is that is that the person, person sharing or the person the saying person I'm sorry. the person sharing like like it does is that person helped by your compassion? Do you get what I'm saying? So it, it comes like for me, it comes down to what is the purpose of function? Yeah, because like, and 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 you know, this conversation also turns into like that. That's not necessarily a healthy practice to do that kind mm, of like yeah. like open sharing like there was a time a girl asked me to get coffee i did not know her very well but she was like all of this stuff that she's experienced in Mm. her life and i just kind of sat there i'm like i don't feel comfortable trying to say like i can't say how can i help you because i don't have that position in your life yeah like I, i guess like what would your answer be to like what is the middle ground where like what are what is someone supposed to do in that situation it's okay to say you can't help. Yeah. And it's okay to say, like, you know, Bible says, you know, what's it, Ephesians or Galatians? You know, bear, bear with the one in turn of those burdens, you know, and, um, and you weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Like, mourn with those who mourn. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a, a beauty in the silence of suffering mm. that we miss as Christians. We think, oh, I got to have the verse. I got to have the right thing to say. I got I to gotta have the, the you know, the mm-hmm, pastor uh, mm-hmm. phrase I gotta yeah. say like no it's just sit there and be with them don't yeah. do what <laughs> talking about Job we were talking about Job earlier I was, I'm going through the Bible fully and I'm and I'm in Job right now in a part of the Old Testament bro he had the worst friends like these people <laughs> like bro you're, you're trash Job but you're absolute like straight flaming like, him <laughs> like dog water like you yeah. just horrible I'm like bro like <laughs> just flaming him and say that he's horrible like where did he find these people like don't be like that yeah. but like also like each time has a moment. Like, listen to the spirit. If they don't need someone to talk to them, they just need someone to listen. Listen. Quick to listen, slow to speak. James 1, uh, 12, I think, talks about that. Like, be listening, slow to speak, slow to, slow to get angry. If they need someone to speak in encouragement, I always ask people this. Um, whenever they share something to me, or whether they're going through something hard, or whether they say, like, do you want comfort? Do you want solutions? Or do you mm, want to be listened to? Yeah. Because you got to know people's needs. You got to know what they need. Sometimes people just need comfort physical or emotional is this you know listening to them something they need, need solutions they want i want to help solve this help me with this accountability be with me something they just need to yeah. you know oh something they just need you to just sit listen with to them. them sit with yeah. them and say nothing like kevin nordby does a great job <sighs> of that oh my gosh my man's that's i don't like you've like seen a human and just see like like he's like probably the nicest person in the world I, like he's up there with like if him, Bob Ross, and like, oh um, dude, what's so funny is he's a killer kickboxer. He kickbox? You didn't know that? Cap. 
Full no, cap. no, 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 full cap. Bro. Me and me and yeah. his wife, we had a full conversation about like basically who in the all the SOR professors who like if they had a fight, who would win? And she was just like, I would confidently put my husband against anybody. Like, I think the only like person, MMA. Yeah, like well, like I don't want to say like he's got a Muay Thai black belt or anything, <laughs> but like I think it, it's either him or Peterson. Yeah. Besides Peterson's that, everybody is getting curb stomped. Just like yeah, Justin Walker's too thin, bro. Dude, snapped like a tooth. <laughs> Check out that episode, by the way. <laughs> Shameless nice plug. plug. Yeah. <laughs> but so this is just kind of like change subjects a little bit. You're known as the bike guy around campus. Mm-hmm. So first off, can you kind of explain what that is? <laughs> can you explain how that started? And also, He's I want to know how you feel about it because there's, there's stuff that comes with it. So <laughs> it's funny because when I was young, I loved music. Um, I know that sounds like cliche, but no, like music is one of the second. Don't make this a 20 minute story. Oh gosh. <laughs> music is like, I'm, well, I'm like, no, I know. <laughs> music I can just is see like it in the... your eyes. I'm like, he's about to talk. Music is like the yeah, yeah, yeah. biggest way I connect to God. And one of the most ways I connect to him. And so like I wake up Sunday mornings, you know, black moms playing gospel, clean the house, freaking yeah. Kirk Franklin or I was uh, about <laughs> Ty Tribbett. She's yeah, like, yeah. that's like cranking. And like, I would listen to 9.9. Which is like a Christian TV station in Maryland. Yeah, yeah. And 95.1, that's all we listened to. Yeah. Going up. Like, that was the, and Disney music. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I had a really sheltered view, but once I got out of, out of high school into college, my music, you know, taste has grown and, and increased, but I always loved music. Before I had headphones and, and even a phone, I was just humming, humming, I would hum at home, I was humming out of work, I was singing literally in the halls of school. Like, I was just always singing. Like, that was just in my heart. So, like, and it wasn't just like, you know, I'm praying to God. I'm connecting to God, or like you know, I'm I'm like I just like love singing. Like I'll you know, a tune will always be in my head. Like some people don't have music in their head, or don't mm. have like an inner voice. Like I don't know how that happens. Like I've always have a song in my head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so like, what's what's the song right now? Oh, the cap. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just no. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. It's the uh, <laughs> I just wanna party with you. Thundercat. Thundercat. Oh, yeah, Thundercat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you saw Thundercat. Yeah, that um, like when I uh. You know, got you know, I had a tab at the time, and I could like I got Spotify. Like when I finally figured out what Spotify was, like oh my gosh, all this music I I world unlocked. I know, yeah, bro, like it was just crazy. And so I was always singing. So when I my first year of college, I didn't have a bike. That was another college. I went to a college in Virginia called Mary Baldwin University. It was in Stanton. Yeah. I was I would walk to class and I was sing. I was just sing. You know, in season people notice and like people like, but who's who is this guy? And like, who's man's? Who's man's is this? But like, I, it was, I've always been. This is my confidence has been so low since when I you know high school, middle school, because you know bullying and stuff I've gone through. But one thing I was always confident in was my faith in Christ Mm. and my love for music. Mm -hmm. Like I would, I could care less if I was singing a dancing or being a goon. It's just like you know having fun and people people standing low. I didn't care. Like my pastor, my youth pastor, I love him to that. His name is Dane. Uh, Caraway, him and his and his wife were big pinnacles in, in my in my growth as a person as a Christian. Mm-hmm. But he just didn't understand that part of me. Like I will always be singing. Like I will come to a youth group and always be singing. He'd be like, Justin, why stop singing? And, like I wouldn't stop. I could never. <laughs> yeah. Like I would. I would. That's just, it. Was just a thing people didn't understand. Like people like get frustrated. And, like understand. Like why are you doing this? And like it's a part of me. Like this is who I am. And so you know, coming to Lee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like my first year, year I auditioned for like all the ensembles in choir like I'm not a singer 
Like I'm, I, I've, I've done, I've done ensembles, I've done choir, I've done a cappella group, so I can sing. Yeah. It's just that, like, I'm not like you know, Freddie Mercury. Yeah, you know, top tier, like you know, Lee Singers or whatever. It's like I got denied by all of them, and, and I was, <laughs> I was sick. Yeah, I said like I didn't get any covers for any of them. I, I got in the men's choir, which was fun. Yeah. So that whole concept of like walking around and singing carried over to whenever you came to college. Yeah, it carried over my whole life. So I would go to class and I'll be walking. And I was like, you know, I live in Brinsfield and I got class in the comm. I'm not walking anymore. Yeah. So like, I got a bike <laughs> yeah. and put my headphones in. And most of the time I had well, noise cleansing headphones. So I couldn't really hear, you know, around me. And I was just be singing. Yeah. And I did that for like, you know, of course, I'm, I'm not just like, but I did it. And people like noticed, but they were like talking about it. And it was just, it was just, it's just so weird. Just how like the community of Lee and like how like, because it's a small community. So people yeah. talk about almost everything. Like get on Yik Yak and everything is talked about. Yeah. And so like I start seeing like people, you know, when Yik Yak started coming big, people talk about like the bike guy or like, you know, people like comment about me. Like in f- positive or? Positive. Or, yeah, I ha- yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I haven't found a hater yet. Like I want to. I kind of want to have a hater. It's just like to have someone me, like me. I'm your like, first hater. <laughs> like, I hate that guy. <laughs> the amount of times I'm walking to class and I just hear brand new whip got no, no keys. keys. <laughs> 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 And I was just like, oh, Justin, it's seven in the morning. <laughs> I'm just trying to walk to class. Yeah, but, I'm but, just yeah, but uh, that I, has happened though. But it usually makes me laugh. I'm like, yeah. You uh, always see me like you're you're coming by, you're singing, and I start and I'm like, yeah, like, yeah. I was seeing Chris Brown one day, and he was just like, I think I don't know if you were banging it, but like I, I was going hard at it. I was going in. <laughs> I don't know if you were banging. I just like I get started. <laughs> No, but like that's like that's what I did, and so like one of my friends, she was a theater friend named uh, Lizzie Dusenberry. One of the guys in Vendago, I think, was like, "I want to interview that bike guy who's sitting on campus. I want to have him." And she like name dropped me, like, "Oh yeah, just I know him." Like, and then so like I got an email from Doggo saying, "Hey, I want to interview you," and I was like, "This is weird." And so I did an interview with them, and I like you know trying to share my story, and then Clarion wanted to interview me, and then. They did a whole, they did a whole like you know thing, and it's yeah. in in the Vindagua, and so like, I guess that's that's when the exposure started happening, but like, it started to become really like, I I mean, and I and I say that I always say to everybody who meets me and people who know me like I don't do it for attention. No, yeah, like yeah. it gets attention, but like, I could care less if you like it or not, or like if it like you know whatever, like it's for God and for me. Right, and it's like how I tend to talk to God. Like in the morning, it's how I talk to God, how I connect with Him, and then it's just because I love music. Like I, there's many times my voice cracks, like bad, or like yeah. I'm like trying to hit a note and it don't hit, and like and, it's just, <laughs> and it don't hit. <laughs> and I'm just like I'm just struggling, and so like, but people, you know, see that, and I hope that they see that, you know, not just you know I love music, I'm singing, but like the God in my heart, and that when I'm singing, it sound like um the other day I was singing, um. Um, love me as I am by King of Country. Like mm-hmm. it's amazing that you can love me like I am, even when I even when I can't. You still love me as I am. Like mm-hmm. that that whole album. Checked out that whole album, King Country new album. Um, where where are we yet? I think it's called. It's just a beautiful album. But like this songs, like I'm in a mood. Like God, um, God, I'm struggling right now. I'm going through a lot of stuff. I praise you in this storm. Like there's just songs that go come to my mind when I'm thinking about things I'm going through. Yeah. And then some days when I'm like, you know, I'm feeling extra confident, or I'm like, I'm feeling in love. I'm just singing love songs all day long, whatever. But then I'd be, I'd be getting crushed because, like, <laughs> they don't like me back. <laughs> and then I'd be singing sad boy songs. Like, it's basically based yeah, on the mood yeah, I'm Joji on a bike. Does it? They'd be raining. I'm just, like, standing out there. It's just 
Yeah, like you ain't even moving. You're just in the middle of the street <laughs> pedal. on it's your bike. The moving just... by itself. I'm not even pedaling. <laughs> but yeah, that's like that's what it is. So I, I'm I'm happy that people enjoy it. I'm happy that it, that it speaks to people. I'm happy that like some people said like the the day is bright or they like gone through a hard time and they just hear me singing and just bring them light to the day. And I'm just like, if this is a way I can reach people and encourage people and be the light of Christ to them, then you know, God use it. But, you know, it's weird and it's different and it's not like typical and <laughs> the funniest. Oh, my gosh. So I was on Yik Yak. This was like last year. Yeah. Somebody like I was in class and I showed it. And someone said that um, does the bike guy like have a girlfriend or does oh like something like that. And someone commented, "Bike guy is gay?" Question mark. And I was just <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, I guess that makes sense because, you know, like you don't see no like straight. Straight heterosexual male just singing on a bike loudly to like Taylor now, Swift if you were or something. On rollerblades, that'd be one thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're a goon. <laughs> You're a goon. But like, I'd be like, Lee might have to kick you out with their like, new nah, policy. Fam, you can't do that, nah, bro. Nah, get the. You gotta. You can't be wearing a tank top. Nah, t- tank top and shorts, bro. With the <laughs> nah. I told you, you need to get. You need to wear Tim's and a do rag. I did have a do rag once I was biking. I actually did have a do rag on. That that <laughs> that was all, I think I was doing a uh, crew for um one of the plays last semester. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a red do rag on. I love that. It feels if you you feel powerful in the do rag, bro. I wouldn't know. It's hit. It, it, I mean, my 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 dad's best friend. We lived with my dad's best friend for like the first ten years or whatever. Yeah. And for my sister's birthday one year, she was like she turned like five. Yeah. He got her a do rag. And he thought it was the funniest thing. He just Sir? sat there dying laughing, thinking it was hilarious. And looking back, I'm like, yo, Dave, what Dave, was that? What do you mean by that? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I, yeah. I remember That's thinking, weird. I'm like, Dave, I want to wear a do-rag. I want a silky. He was just like, <laughs> I want a silky. <laughs> but, no, like, I, I think what you said about the bike thing is kind of interesting because, like, you are put in this weird position of this is for me. But whenever you see other people see it and enjoy it, you're kind of put in this position of how do I continue to do this and stay true to myself while also understanding that there is an entertainment element. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Or like, like but that I, is- that's the thing. Like, to COVID semester when there's no one here, you were doing it. I was still singing, bro. Right. No one on campus, like literally, there's tumbleweeds and like the occasional right. dog with the with the with the uh, owner. I was still singing. Right. It was actually more freeing because like no one was there. I could sing even louder because yeah. like no one, <laughs> nobody yeah. was watching me. Yeah. Like it's just like I said, it's just a part of me. Like yeah. even without music and no headphones, I'm like dancing and singing because yeah. like it's just who I am. So like, and like I said, it is for me and like it's how I connect. But like, and if and like I said, if people are being touched by them, that's awesome. But like you know. If someone came up and said, like, oh, you do this for attention, you do this for like I'm like, nah, bro. Like, this is... No, this is me. If you hang out with, like, people who know me, um, they know that it, that is part of me. And that's and that's kind of, like, the caveat I have with it. Because, like, I don't want people to know me. That's why I don't want my name to be dropped. Because it's yeah. not it's not about me. It's it's yeah. about it's about God. And it's, it's like when Jesus... I don't want to compare this, but when Jesus said, you know, did a miracle, <laughs> it's like, don't say that I did this. Like, just go along with people and, and be blessed. Like, it's like, I don't want to bring any attention to myself in the way that like oh Justin Gadsden does this Justin, like nah it's just like Justin Gadsden just compared himself to Jesus <laughs> <laughs> nah I'm kidding lightning strikes yeah <laughs> but like nah I mean like I 
it's not it's not about the name. It's just about like you know, the service that it gives. And so, it's interesting because at home, like I said, at home and at church, people didn't celebrate. I would do that, and they say like, stop singing, stop doing that, stop being like that. My my sister would always say, shut up, Justin. Why are you so loud? Like, yeah, being siblings and stuff. But like, I was never celebrated for being who I am. Yeah. And now coming to mm. Lee, I'm. I can you feel fully, celebrated. Yeah. yeah. And that's so like, this. I'm not saying like there's no like, you know, I don't feel good when I see it. I'm not going to lie and say like, oh, it's just all selfless because no, no, no good actors are selfless. So like, I'm I'm just happy I'm around friends and people who accept me for who I am. Right. And actually rejoice in that I'm being myself and see me truly as me being me. Yeah. I try so hard not to like crash anybody either. Because like, it's <laughs> that hard. kills the vibe. It does kill the vibe, you know, <laughs> like, like, like sis. <laughs> It's uh, it's a part of who I am, but it's um. Would you sell T-shirts? No, <laughs> no merch. No, I'm not. No. You're a merch guy now. No merch. I yeah. I would not, cause like, it's not. It's not. I'm not. It's not good. Like it's not good singing. Like, it's you know it's it's weird from the heart, but like I said, it's like it's not like I'm like you know. You're not gonna be on a recording. Hitting bravados out here and it's just like, dude, how wild would it be though if like you had that like crazy Bruno Mars type Yeah, voice. Bruno Mars range like you'd be the smoothest dude on campus. You'd be walking, you'd be biking by, serenading girls for 2 seconds just ah I'm pulling all the biddies, bro. I'm a li- just be like <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like that. not just say biddies. <laughs> It'd be like that out. I know bo. I not <laughs> I can't, can't see the real thing. <laughs> I can't see the real thing. We're good. It'd be like the Pied Piper. But it's like just girls falling around the block. I'm cutting that part out. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, nah. nah. I don't. I don't think you know what you said. But wait. Oh wait. Oh wait. 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 Hey yo. Not like the the story. You know. You know the story, bro. Piper. I barely know her. It's the guy. The I know guy. what you're talking about. I'm being an idiot. <laughs> this is my most unprofessional episode to this point, and I'm happy for it. I'm it's so been, glad. It's been long. Deal. I'm so glad. But I'm, I thought I thought I really thought like Luke or like somebody would have been your most most crazy one. Nah, no, nah, this is definitely it. Nah, I'm, I I'm just I don't know what it is. I like I just be real. I just be myself. I don't know. Well, I mean, no, you're just like like you're you're a genuine guy and like. That's one of the things that I really appreciate about you is like I've never had to like you're not ever going to lie about what's up. Oh, like no. if you if you're just like I you know what I'm I'm not feeling it today. Yeah. Like you're 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 honest about that. Like there's not been a point where I'm like like Justin seems like he's trying to act like he like there's nothing like that. It's like if Justin tells me he's good, I know he's good because I can tell by his attitude. That's 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 one of my favorite attributes of you, and that's like like the Clarion article. Um. I was one of the people that they interviewed for it. They didn't. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, yeah that's what I said, where I was just like, you know, reference. like, yeah. this is just Justin doing Justin. This is Justin for himself. Yeah. And I think, like, other people recognize it. And that's why, and I think, honestly, that's a huge part of why people don't hate on you. Because they see it and they respect it, where it's like, oh, like, this guy's just doing his thing. Yeah. And it gives people that encouragement of, like, if this guy can go out and have his voice crack as he bikes and he's like, you're wearing your freaking Goku like weighted vest, like you're you're bike no like you're you got that fifty pound vest while you're biking around and you're singing and I'm like that's that's athletic, and so so I'm like like he looks like a goon but like 
good lord, the man is dripping. Like he's got unspoken steeds. So his riz is off the charts. Yeah, like if he can go out and ball like that, why can't I? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I did want to touch on this a little bit. Like, what's it like? What, what, what's your perspective of like being black and being at Lee? It's funny. Like, <laughs> oh, it's a joke to you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love, I love, one thing I, I, I've, I've found, especially as like, you know, being black on a campus is like, <laughs> as a black person, in my mind, I have to try so hard to like to keep, it's like the destructive to keep my identity like this, like, I gotta be black, but like, I don't have to, I don't have to have that. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. Cause like, it's, it's. To fit I, some concept of blackness. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause there's so many like. Oh, you gotta be thuggish to be black. You gotta be this to be black. You're like, watch all the movies. Like, there's so many like, especially today. I'm I'm so glad in today's culture, how there's a lot of like, you know, black comes in different um different ways. Because I was really intelligent, intelligent as a kid. I, was, I had big words. I spoke a lot. I could, um, I could, you know, all these things seen as white qualities. But I had all these things, and people think I was too black enough. Like, I haven't seen Friday yet. I haven't seen Love and Basketball. I haven't seen um um. Hey, we should new watch kids those. on the block. We need to, bro. I want to, bro. <laughs> For the culture. For the culture. No. <laughs> but like, I like, I haven't seen those movies because I couldn't couldn't see them growing up. But like, I'm you know I'm I'm as black as 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 anything. I'm and I'm proud of who I am. I'm first a Christian before I'm black. So there's right. some, if this something that disagrees with God's law. That's you know that's a lot of things that our culture disagrees with. That's not that's not Christian. You know I stand with I stand with God on that before that. But like. I see my color and I love it. And, I'm, and I, and I, and you know, like I'm, and I make jokes because like yeah. half my humor is like racist jokes and like dark humor and like sarcastic humor. Yeah. And then like 5% is like Bible jokes and stuff like that. <laughs> but like, <laughs> you make a joke about slavery and they're like, but Methuselah was so old. <laughs> like what? But Paul said to be a slave. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I hate you so much. So like I'm like I can make jokes like this because yeah, like yeah, yeah. one, of course, being a black person, right. humor is one of the biggest ways we cope with our tra- trauma and pain. Why are there so many black comedians? Because we have used humor to cope with the things that we've gone through. So yeah. why is you know you're white, I'm black. You know you may like casserole, I don't. <laughs> you may put raisins in your potato salad, I don't. We can make jokes about that. It isn't like a yeah. my identity isn't held to the fact that like I like ribs and watermelon and stuff. Like I. I don't have to hold to that. Like I can make jokes about it. And I won't be and be offended if you say something. I won't be offended, and that's something. That's something about our culture. I wish we would. Be there's less a, well, there's a certain level of like maliciousness to it. Yes, there is, and you have to be on. Because it's it's different. Like you know, like like first off, I'm not gonna sit here and joke on this podcast in the way that we might in private. Yeah, of course. Because yeah. like, like like we have that relationship. But and we know one there's another. There's a corn. There's a corn. There, and it's not like I'm. I'm not gonna sit here and be like, I would never, I'd never make jokes that are racially charged. <laughs> and so anyway, it's like, well, yeah, in the right context. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not going. But first off, it's not this like degrading thing. It's not this like, it 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 it. it, it I think it can be a celebration. I really, yeah. I really yeah. do. I really I, do. I say jokes in celebration. In yeah. my joking, I celebrate these things and like. I make these jokes because one, they're funny, but two, because like I'm someone that hey, I, this is who I am, and I love it, and this is who you are, and I love it too, and this is and this is the funny things about our the the misfaults about our culture, but also like the good things about our culture. Yeah, and what can we learn from? And what can we exactly? So like, and I when I see that, and I see myself on this campus and with my friends, I make jokes with my friends and stuff like that. Like, 
I want them to be comfortable with who I am because I'm comfortable with who I am. Right. When you're not comfortable with who you are and confident in who you are, yeah. you're going to project that on other people and make them feel like not they shouldn't be confident and comfortable in who you are. Yeah. And that's, there's a lot of, you know, you can talk about projection and stuff, stuff like that, psychology, but, like, there's a lot of that. And, like, I don't get offended easily. Yeah. Because I've been, <laughs> bro, like, I've been, people said worse things. Right. So, like, at this point, I'm like, bro, I, I probably agree with you. Like, bro, I can't. I don't get no girls. You're right. Well, help me. Like, <laughs> tell me, tell me how. Like, like I, I will make jokes about myself because I can joke about myself. The more yeah. you know how to joke about yourself, the better you understand about life and stuff. And so, like, I ain't, I ain't like you know trying to front and act like I gotta be all hard for no reason. Like, yeah, I'm just being who I am. And so, but best to be on this campus. I think it's crazy. Ever since 2020 and being in the South. Cause I, I mean I knew it was there, but I didn't know like how rampant yeah. it was, especially in the Christian church. Mm-hmm. Like seeing, I don't know if you were aware of the whole like statue thing. Yeah, like one of right our students, and yeah. like how people from literally from churches were like treating, saying things to her, and like how everybody and like you go to church with these people like up the street, like these are people you worship, and then they're yeah. like saying, "Do you guys not see any sort of hypocrisy here?" Jesus and 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 what she just said here, like brother like yeah and this is so crazy like how this is a reality of many you know sad to say it white old you know christians in our in our in this town and sad to say it, at lee university too yeah. like it's hard to go it's hard to kind of go on in but like it's it's real and it's sad and it's disrespectful and it's, yeah. and it's like absolute power corrupts absolutely when you have so much power especially in the church which is not what god designed you know, it follows how to be in one person in one kind of hand. Like mm-hmm. people make whatever the system they want because of it. And so it's really, it's really sad to see, you know, us get tokenized at Lee campus sometimes. It's like, oh man, we have Miss Goya as the director of, of you know, black. Uh, uh, um, She's so sweet. Student. She's the sweetest man. I woman. would love to have her on this podcast. I would love her. Um, well, I'm surprised you haven't, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like. Wait, am am I the first black person to get on this campus? No. I had to kneel. I make sure to come in my chest. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I, I started thinking about it. I was like, oh man, like when was the last? What was the last? When was the last? <sighs> put my diversity numbers up, man. Yeah. Oh, sheesh. Like I've had women, but uh, <laughs> minorities. Um. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> um, no, so, so like you think, do you feel as like as, as an institution, Lee has made an, like, like you feel as if Lee has I made think an better now. Yeah. Cause back then I've heard stories like the whole, um, Greek club that did like the, uh, dress as your favorite rapper night thing. Oh no. Like someone just, like someone just, <laughs> I think there's things have gotten much better from, from that time and improved, but there's still improvements. There's so many, and there's so many other more other minorities in black that need to be. The voice heard and voices to international students, Hispanic students, um, right. to Korean. Like, there's so many different denominations and I'm not denominations, different back, backgrounds yeah. and ethnic cultures that need to be listened to and heard and respected and valued rather than just black. And I think, you know, Lee's trying to do better at that. But like, like again, when you have rich white old people in power, they're not going to focus on those things that don't pertain to them or connect to them. They're going to focus on the image, of course. You know put the black person on the on the lee website make sure we have the diversity picture but like not actually spoken so there's there's room to improve it's always room to grow but i think we gotten better with those things i do wish that evs would get a performance rather than voices of lee 
I don't know why yeah. they get. I was like, I'm, I want to see EBS, but I have bones to pick with, you know, voices of Lee. No, I, I, I get what you're saying. I think, like, I would say, though, I think the Church of God generally has made a great effort yeah. to be more diverse diverse to be like like pentecostalism traditionally yeah yeah has has honestly been very the beginnings of it yeah were like racially progressive yeah in that sense um Mm -hmm. and i think that's cool like especially in the midst of the george floyd and the protests after covid there was a recognition of hey something is wrong (laughs) like 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 we're not gonna sit here and pretend no Nothing's wrong. Something is wrong. Yeah. And we need to talk about that. We need to make students feel comfortable and feel as if, like, they're being heard um, while also not necessarily taking these, like, extreme stances, which I really appreciate because, like, that's playing – I don't want to say playing the moderate, playing, like, the, the silent majority or whatever, but, mm-hmm. like, trying to do what they can. Um, yeah. Because – it's about bringing people together. It's about bringing people together. It's also about like the safety. Like, like, do you feel comfortable in your skin here? Do you feel as if like, oh, like, you're allowed to feel black and proud? And like, I guess, I guess, like, like, what I'm trying to ask is, do you feel proud of your blackness? And was there ever a point, like, something that I've talked, that I've heard consistently, is people have to come to grips with being proud of their blackness, as opposed to originally feeling shame over it or this sort of like i wish i wasn't do you get what i'm saying yeah i <laughs> i don't wish i was ever another color yeah i mean sometimes i do wish i was i was light skin because <laughs> light skins be pulling light skin you don't understand like the battle between light skins and dark skins man i never was ashamed for me to be black but i was ashamed of my culture sometimes and how mm. we acted and like all that's like because you know the typical like you know all forefathers and grandma didn't die for all this stuff i'm like they didn't like <laughs> freaking <laughs> Martin Luther King didn't die so we could just get money and get and, and and get girls and die. I'm like, bro, like this man fought for something. Yeah. And like, you know, that's always what people talk about that, but like literally, seriously, we are, you know, we're staying on the shoulders of, of greats, but we are also great people ourselves. We have shoulders too that people need to stand upon. And if our culture just becomes get money, get rich, get your back, get girls, and die, or it's just like, you know, disrespect women and like, you know, just all the things that black culture you see as today then what kind of shoulders are we setting for kids that's not shoulders there's there's not staying on anything so like as a culture especially as, as black culture i want to transform and almost like you know and hopefully influence the way how we see ourselves because you know we don't like therapy we therapy is one of the things we don't we don't we, i ain't good i ain't going to no therapist to fix my marriage like that's just like I mean, the, the mistrust of doctors and stuff in black culture is actually a real grounded thing. Because mm. you look at history, yeah. how people treated doctor, how people, how doctors treated black people, and how they were operating, like it's horrible. So like, it's not like it's out not there. unfounded. It's not unfounded, but like there is just a matter of like this pride, of, like we gotta, and like it's the dichotomy of like you know we gotta heal from our trauma and come out from it, but we can't. We can't stay linked to the trauma. We can't stay victims of our of our of our pain. Yeah, and we can't use it as an excuse to not to as pride because that that's where the pride and that's where like the, you know, I used to do this this way and I and, and no one's going to help me this way. Like no, like they're all good white people. Mm-hmm. They're all good people that who who care and respect and see that I I found that here. Like, yeah. I'm mean, with you with um every all my friends in the um my friends were on the forefront like my teacher uh, uh debug one of the teachers in the com in the um theater program at lee he was on the marches he was in the protest he was speaking like they i found comfort being with them 
Mm-hmm. Like that's why I can make jokes and talk with them. I don't make yeah. jokes with racist people. Like I don't have, <laughs> yeah. I don't have. I hope I don't have racist friends. But like I wouldn't make jokes with them because like it's a heart issue. I know their heart. I know what they, how they see people, how they see color, how they see God through people. And so like when I saw that I could be myself with them and they they were okay with that, I I felt proud of who I was. Yeah. Because, and that's the thing. When you're not accepted for being who you are, it's hard for you to be proud of who you are because you think. Is there something really wrong with me? Is there something that actually is bad? And that's the other side of the coin of like that doubt. Mm. And you don't want to. That's why people, like you said, they overcompensate or they over. I am black, and I'm, and this is this, this is like I, I, you know, I don't hate things. That's like there's so many things we claim as black people that are not good to claim as black people. Mm. But we claim them because we felt so much shame for being said with those things. That we have to overcompensate for that pride and hold and like stand our ground on things. Like we don't have to do that. Yeah, we gotta come to that middle ground that this is what it means to be black, but this thing doesn't necessarily mean being black. It's just this just means that this is how some humans act, and so that's why I want to kind of stand in that in that gap and like being proud of who I am, but also accepting and working and connecting with other people and in other cultures and backgrounds. I mean, you see, like Jamie Foxx does a good job of this, like you know, just collabing with different people and connecting with different people. But you know, also being part of his blackness and like how he mm. talks and the conversations and things he has and stuff like he's gone through. Like when you've been through stuff and gone through things, there's two ways you can take it. At least as a black person, you can like you know, I've been through the struggle, been through the pain and stuff, and like this is all I am, and like that's all that defines me. Or like you know, I've come out better than this, and I can grow from this, and I can help other people grow from this, and I can see love, I can see grace, I can find forgiveness, I can find healing for myself, yeah. and I can see that in other people. That not every white person is out to get me or, or bad, and not every you know establishment is out to you know hold me down like yeah those stuff is real and that is out there but there is more forces for good than there is forces for evil in the world yeah. and i i will really wish as a black community we would see that it's hard because it's it is every it's the the people who are perpetrating things are, are the ones in power are the ones you know that have the most influence and if you're the loudest person you get hear the heard the most you know like that's kind of the sad thing about america today or like just our culture today and so like there is a lot of good and a lot of good people in the world. It's just that, you know, they're not speaking up or they're not, you know, they're the silent one, the ignorant. That's what Martin Luther King said this joke. It's, it's not the KKK. That's all. That's black p- p- uh, biggest enemy. It's, it's the not why. It's the silent. Yeah. It's the silent moderate. The yeah. white person who stays silent and doesn't help the fellow brother in need. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. was not just about bringing people together, but he was about bringing people from different social economic together mm. so con- taking black poor black whites and poor blacks and poor whites and bring them together and saying hey we can come together we can make a better country we can do this and like standing up against the white the rich white people that are in charge because when you start bringing people together the same connection and they start seeing oh wait we're not the problem it's people in power with the problem the more yeah. the money you start messing when you start messing with money you start messing with power people get people get angry yeah that's why it wasn't just like he was bringing people together racially. He was bringing people together economically. And that yeah. was going to take money away from people who were in power. And so like, when you have that going on, you got to get rid of those people. And so like, yeah. that's, that's the thing that we have to see, that we try to see today. That we're, it's, we're all in this together. Yeah. Like, no, that's huge. We're all in this together. Like I've seen poor whites grow up in the same um, area that I've been in. And like, yeah, they're not black. And sometimes they may appropriate our culture, but they experience they experience what we experience. Yeah, I I think something like that you kind of touched on, where it's like we're all in this together, is like something that, interestingly enough, helped racial equality was the mass drafting, like the the statistically, 
um, uneven drafting of black men yeah. in World War II and Vietnam, which oh, is God. unfair, but that was also, well, were black people drafted in World War II? Yeah, Tuskegee, the, the Tuskegee Airmen? I don't know if they were drafted. Um, I don't. I think they were volunteers. But I definitely know in Vietnam, yeah. the the but but the point I'm making is that um, that was a huge, inadvertently a huge thing because that was the first time so many rural white boys had ever been around a black person and had to fight side by side with them. Yeah, and like and if you talk to any dude that has served in the military, they're like, these guys are my, my brothers. brothers. Yeah. like I will yeah. I will live and I'll fight die, and yeah. die by them. Yeah. Like, you know. I wouldn't be friends with them in any other situation because yeah. some of these people are terrible. Yeah. But like, because of what we went through, that supersedes anything yeah. else that we have in Exposure common. Exposure is a real don't thing. Don't have in common. And so it's just like, inadvertently, that prejudice, you can now see God has worked for good. Like, now, obviously, terrible drafting. Like, like that's not fair. But anyways, do you have any shout outs you want to give? I would also, I usually ask shout outs for words of wisdom, but you've, You've dropped enough of those, <laughs> and I don't have those. another twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, uh, um, so many shout outs. Uh, first, of course, my family, all my brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. just um, just big love for them, and thank you for just all the stuff that you've done for me and each. I wish I would I would have time I name all of you, but each every one of you guys, and just the experience I have with them, and just all the lessons I and experience I learned with them, and also Dane and Anna Karen. It's Vitus and all my other teachers that I've that I've been at grace with. Um, shout out to all my friends at Lee, uh, to my theater majors, cinema majors, so majors, all my majors, all the all the friends I have. Everyone at, at Lee. It's yeah, different majors, <laughs> and mine is there. My best friend back at home, name is Melody. Yeah, shout out to them. Uh, thanks to Noah, and this man's a great. I'm telling you guys, this this guy's a real deal. Like, check out his podcast, Dangling Conversation. But also just just check like check him out as a person like connect don't with this guy. Don't objectify me. Don't don't objectify him. <laughs> but like but like get to know him because like these he's like he's one of the rare people that 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 you know show who they are. But like better better's your life, you know. So I'll say I'll say I'll say that much. Words of wisdom. I I appreciate that, man. Um, Thank you so much, Justin, for being on. This has been a great time. <laughs> some some real goonery. Full on bit uh but yeah thank you guys so much for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode if you did please feel free to check out some of my other episodes this is part of my series of uploading every other week for the year of 2022 and the finish line is a lot closer than it used to be Mm -hmm. so yeah be sure to stay tuned for all of that um but yeah thank you guys so much for listening thank you again justin um and yeah catch you guys later all right